Greetings, ladies and metal gents, and welcome to this narration of the web series The Nature of Predators. If you're new to the series, there is a playlist listed in the description. And as always, I hope that you enjoy. Chapter 56 Memory Transcription Subject Captain Calsum, Crocattle Alliance Command Date Standardized Human Time October 18, 2136 The leafy ground crunched underfoot as we steered the Terran prisoner across the park. I was certain that Arjun was purposely stomping on brittle patches. The kid wanted to make as much noise as possible in an attempt to summon others of its kind. It didn't matter how much of a rackus it made, or if it dragged its feet. With how slow humans spotted along, we had to at least an hour of walking between us and the returning father. It would tire after sustained exertion, and be forced to retrieve a vehicle to close that distance. That left time to snack and hydrate. I ambled along on weary legs. How do land animals walk everywhere? I wish I still could fly. Zahn? And I wish that I could exsanguinate that thing of yours. It would die in minutes if I sliced that big artery on his neck, the doctor muttered. Jala chuckled. Do you think its eyes would stay open after we axed its head? Or maybe they would, uh, pop right out of its skull? We're not killing it, I snapped. Life, even tainted life, is sacred. True exterminators do not kill for fun or for laughs. Zahn pulled a scalpel from his back and inspected the reflective metal. The Takan must be considering how it would be to slice through a predator's skin. I wondered why he hated humans when his species government voted to be their allies. What left him so certain that social hunters had no emotions or benefits? I tried to focus on our travels, knowing that we couldn't rest before Arjun's father did. The kid's skin was damp, but the strain to its breathing was minimal. We'd been walking in the afternoon heat for an hour, and its legs weren't fully grown. It should be panting and stumbling with exhaustion. What regiment has this human hatchling been through? Its little legs must be from fire. We need to rest for its sake soon. Additionally, there had been a surprising lack of predator sightings in the forest environment. Something must have picked up our scent by now but none of them had investigated further. Did other hunters fear the apex humans? The primates shouldn't scare wild beasts with their unimpressive forms. <laughs> Arjun joked backward and howled against the tape. <laughs> I cursed as the kid crumpled my broken wing. Did I tell you to stop walking? I, I mean, we'll rest in a few minutes. You're almost there. He continued screaming beneath the gag and its binocular eyes were almost hysterical. If something frightened the predator, that gave me pause. There must be a reason it refused to walk, unless this was a time-wasting trick. The fear looked strikingly real, though, so I was inclined to believe its antics. A blood-curdling hiss permeated the air, and movement flashed across the leafy ground. A brown creature uncoiled its scaly body, lifting its head towards us. A forked tongue waggled from its mouth like a seesaw. The way it slithered forward was alien and unnerving. There were no legs that I could see. That's a prey animal. It has side-facing eyes, I decided. The poor thing must be trying to scare off the predator, flattening its neck like that. I can't believe that works on a sapient human. The alarm in Arjun's gaze intensified, and beads of sweat surfaced on its skin. We would have stepped on the reptile if the kid hadn't failed the bout. Why was it so terrified of a crippled animal? The tiger's bite was much more petrifying than this thing. 
The human seemed to forget about the gun to its back and bolted away in with impossible energy. That mad dash reminded me of Federation species in a mindless stampede. Maybe these frail primates incorporated some prey instinct into their hardware to compensate for their weakness. Jala lined up a gun barrel. Better learn to fly real quick, Arjun. My eyes widened. Don't shoot it. You're no fun. I'm not just letting that scrawny beast go. The sociopath was airborne before I could stop her and bore down on Arjun with powerful flaps. She swiped her talons across its shoulder, carving twin gashes into its flesh. The human yelped. It lost its balance from the blow and toppled to the ground. Jala's takeoff aggravated the hissing animal, which hadn't blinked a single time. Shouldn't it have calmed down now that the predator was gone? Zahn seemed to feel bad for it, since the sight of Arjun had traumatized it. He wanted to show it that we weren't like the humans. The doctor reached out to give a comforting pat. Nobody's gonna hurt you, sweetie. Did those nasty eights eat your baby? I... The panicked animal was still in fending off predator mode. It was worked up into a frenzy, desperate and aggressive to any movements. Zahn was oblivious to the opening of its mouth. It bit the doctor with tiny teeth and he grabbed his arm in pain. My gun was readied within a second and I dispatched a shot to its head. I cursed at the Khan for making me shoot a non-sapient victim to Terran incursions. To make matters worse, any nearby human would hear that reverberation. You had to try and touch a terrified helpless prey animal, I sighed. Zahn inspected the two tiny puncture marks. I just wanted to soothe it, Kalsum. Let me disinfect the wound. Barely a scratch. My pupils swiveled towards Arjun, who had ripped the tape off its own mouth. Jala was looming over it and packed at its earlobe to draw a reaction. I rushed over to intervene, pushing the female crocodile away from the downed kind. My curiosity demanded an explanation for the freakout. That was irresponsible of you to run off. You startled that poor animal, I grumbled. All that panic for a rudimentary threat display. Arjun gawked at my marks on Zahn's grey skin. The snake bit you? Listen, Kalsum, if, if you don't get him to a human medic, he's going to die. Painfully. Die? I'm not falling for that. The doctor scoffed. Owl species actually knows how to treat infections. We have penicillin too, Dr. Psycho. Do you have no concept of venom? You're going to be paralyzed and unable to breathe in an hour. It does burn quite a bit, Captain, but uh, I have painkillers. Besides, if I was actually poisoned, this human would want me to die and languish. That's all they're capable of wanting. My eyes narrowed as Zahn confessed to localized pain. His arm did look rather swollen near the puncture wounds. But again, medical professionals should recognize the science of blood poisoning. I hoped that he wouldn't brush off Arjun's warning just because the human passed it along. We do need to keep moving, urgently. I'll monitor Zahn's symptoms, and if it gets worse, I'll figure something out. Let's, uh, get in a few more minutes of walking, and then we'll settle down, I said. We can disinfect your wound and, uh, Arjun's incisions. The predator kid flexed his shoulder with a wince. The crimson blood staining its artificial pelt was dry. It pursed its lips like it wanted to argue, but I waved it along at gunpoint. The human shuffled ahead in silence, not wanting the tape re-reapplied. The tree covering thinned out, and we pressed ahead for several monotonous minutes. I remained on the lookout for snakes, just in case. I didn't make sense why Arjun would help its tormentor. Also, 
If snakes are really that dangerous and frightening, why hadn't humans exterminated them? Zahn sucked in a sharp breath, facial muscles contorting. His pace had begun to lag several steps behind Al's. He touched the affected area with his other paw and screamed in a high register, tears trickling from his eyes. Ah! My blood is on fire! He squealed. The Takan slumped against the base of a tree, writhing in agony. Argent's eyebrows twitched as though it was in pain itself. Perhaps I had underestimated the scope of human empathy. The best we could hope for after this failed mission was that their murders were less sadistic than the Oxal hunts. Make it stop! Zahn shrieked. Jala puffed out her feathers. Shut up! You're giving away our location! It hurts so bad! Help me! It's like acid, it's... The female Krakotl retrieved a medical tape, and I slapped it out of her grip with a good wing. She wasn't going to shut Zahn up like an animal. While he was in anguish, losing the doctor was unacceptable. His services were needed for a fine officer's survival. Arjun knelt on its knees and coaxed the Takan into a prone position. I knew Zahn was out of it when he didn't resist the beast's contact. The predator was remarkably gentle with his motions. It showed decency to an enemy that did not deserve it. Just like my officers said I had, where humans were involved. I'm glad I treated the kind with respect, that I didn't make them suffer, and I didn't enjoy their deaths. Kelsum, we need to get help, Arjun pleaded. The doctor gripped Titan around the glass lump. Get lost, Predator. You, you just want me to watch my suffering up close. You're laughing it up. I don't want to watch anyone die. You're the one who wanted to watch humans suffer up close. No, wounded prey smells good, right? Wait, to get your pickings until I'm dead. We never wanted to eat you. I... I'm a vegetarian. It's part of my religion, to show compassion for animals. My eyes widened at its proclamation. The predator had to be joking. It was Federation religions that dictated that preying on animals was greedy, bloodthirsty, and evil. Natural-born hunters would never follow any ideology that demonized their own existence. How did that make the slightest sense? I thought humans were interesting, Jala clicked. But they're pathetic, just like everyone else, cowering in the face of danger. Religion about compassion, crying over people who are dead like it's so sad. I glared at her. I've told you from the beginning. Humans have selective empathy. Our knowledge of them is evolving, but their expansionism is incompatible with peace. Don't be fooled, Jala. They're brutal, cunning, and manipulative. Zahn cast. Their history is... One of conquest. And invasions. Humans cook up new ways to kill each other. Always. The doctor howled through gritted teeth as a spasm rippled down his afflicted limb. His pain cry morphed into a full-throated scream. Argent wordlessly poured some water over the Takat's head, trying to cool his burning skin. Somehow, I trusted the predator to not finish him off. My attention shifted to the finding of an effective painkiller. Before I realized what was happening, a deafening gunshot echoed behind me. Jala was hovering over Zahn, a crazed look in her eyes. The physician's body went slack as blood gushed from his temple. The human gaped as the corpse brushed his leg. I aimed my side arm at the sociopath. What did you do? 
Drop your weapon. That's precisely how to shut someone up, she chirped. Enough of your games, Kalsum. We do this my way now. Drop the gun. Come on. You hated Zahn. He was making too much noise. The Predator said that he was going to die anyway. Plus, you would have had to stay here and listen to him scream. This is your last warning. The human is slowing us down too, and it'll actively work against us at every turn. I'm doing you a favor. Make your choice, me or Arjun. Darla swiveled the pistol towards the Predator Kid, who seemed stunned by Zod's death. Arjun had never seen a creature die in front of it, had it. The words it said about compassion for animals reminded me of my extermination philosophy. We both killed when it was necessary, and contained our damage to the rightful sources. Against all odds, I appreciated the Predator's way of life. It was honorable and empathetic enough, not yet lost to the destructive instincts. I had more in common with this prowler than Jala. There was some attachment to it, to him, in that I didn't want to watch him die in front of me. I squeezed the trigger, and a succinct pop indicated a successful shot. Shock flashed in the sociopath's eyes before her body crashed alongside Zahn's. The gun slipped from my grasp in a daze, and I just lost both able-bodied crew in the span of minutes. Arjun scrambled to his feet, scooping up the weapon. He didn't point it at me for some reason. Blue calm blood was splattered alongside his own scarlet shade. The little predator popped down beside the doctor's satchel. You're hurt. We need to treat your wounds and find your father, I stammered. The human didn't respond and merely got to work patching his own injuries. My instincts should have created an uproar over my proximity to an armed predator. However, I couldn't process fear through the shock. This world of death and wilderness, Earth, could not be my reality. I zoned out, staring into the distance. My story would come full circle. It was ended by a predator I chose to spare. Quite a poetic conclusion for turning my back on my occupation. The three Federation castaways would lie unburied in this infested land for all eternity. Dion is unconscious and abandoned, and this predatory hell. Snap it out of it, Calsum. It was a slight cracking sound from above, which broke my trance. Before I could glance up, something rough brushed against my throat. The next thing I knew, rope slinched around my throat with a suffocating knot. My body was yanked upwards, and I found myself standing on empty space. I instinctively tried to loosen the noose as my entire mass dangled in a secure embrace. My wings attempted to tread air, searing, all-encompassing pain lancing down my broken bone, generating lift was impossible. Son! A thunderous voice barked from above. Get out of here and call for help! Marcos is looking for these feckers! How had Arjun's father gotten here so soon? There was no way the human predator could have closed the distance without running. But running that long was impossible unless their endurance was nigh divine. The kid hadn't tied it all either. Oh, sweet Anatala. Arjun palmed his black hair. Tell me you regret what your species did, Kalsum. Please. Regret? Sure. I always did, I croaked. But it was the only way to secure a future. I did my d duty. The human and the youngling watched as my oxygen supply dissipated. His vicious eyes... Watered. I knew he was thinking about Bangalore, at contemplating how my orders leveled dozens of cities like that. The poor thing never understood the bleak necessity. The constricting pain centered around my larynx, and my field of vision began to diminish. 
Awareness was receding like sinking into a vast ocean. Struggling didn't seem important anymore. I felt like I lived a good life. A meaningful one. Can't curse him down, Dad. Please. Arjun's voice sounded as though it came from underwater. He saved my life from the other two multiple times. I, I don't want him killed. The adult human growled a reply I didn't register. Its voice was charged with a billowing savagery. A preview of what Arjun would sound like at full maturity. I didn't want to see him transform into an unstable beast, constantly beleaguered by the need to chase. That sickening development was the reason why pups were supposed to be exterminated. The kid offered a plea to that was incoherent, as my eyes butted shut with grim realization. The rope released its grip, then I plummeted back to earth with a muted sensation. The little predator poked at my beak, but I couldn't move a muscle. The world was fading away, leaving me helpless at the paws of a warlike monster's End of chapter. Chapter 57. Memory transcription subject. Slinek, then Lil Space Corps. Date, standardized human time, October 18th, 2136. Marcel leaned over the destroyer's radio, allowing the salt water to splash his face. The predator's eyes stared where the towering skyline of New York City had once been. His loved ones were in one of the nearby bunkers, perhaps buried beneath a mountain of rubble, the human resolved to search for Nudie and Lucy, but I feared his reaction if they weren't about to lie. The American military sent most available service members to the remnants of its largest city, once the environment was deemed safe. Rescue prospects weren't promising for the main hubs, so efforts would be focused on the city's outskirts. With the traditional Navy ports and space docking sites pulverized, the boats would allow alien visitors to touch down. My skin crawled at the thought of the Arxel landing on Earth. I remember what the Greys had done on the bombed-out cradle. They terrified me that they might get a taste for human flesh. What if the survivors, like Marcel, were rounded up onto a cattle ship? The thought of him being caged or tortured again filled me with despair. Minutes from now, those monsters were going to be walking on this very deck. I couldn't stop focusing on that image. Every instinct compelled me to hurl myself overboard. The Terrans were in no condition to protect me. I didn't believe for a second that those emotionless predators were genuinely here to help. The red-haired human studied his reflection in the water. Crap! Do you remember the first time we chatted online, Snellneck? Uh, you said hello. I said at my keyboard for two hours, trying to envision your true intent, I muttered. I was terrified to talk to a predator. Wait, that's why you didn't answer right away, I mean, uh, I, I was nervous too, but... More about fecking up first contact, Mark. All I could think of was, what have I done? After several bouts of crying, multiple drafted messages to Republic Emergency Services to drop out of the program. You asked me, with no context or greeting, what I saw when I looked in the mirror. Marcel didn't finish the anecdote, instead tilting his head in consideration. At the time, the human answered, a mouth, a nose, two eyes and ears. I'd been concerned if that changed. The horrors of my imagination evaporated with laughter. I felt guilty that I had been so preoccupied with his appearance in the beginning. The worry creases on his forehead aged him by a decade, as did the blemish of the scars on his cheek. By comparison, my friend's paralyzing gaze had been full of life, with that snarl he couldn't contain. 
I wanted to remember the humans as that optimistic race, affectionate and carefree. Whatever compromise our beloved predators had to make, I wouldn't let them change my perspective. I uh, see a survivor. I swallowed my nerves. I propped myself over the railing. My grey fur was a matted mess, and my slender ears were pinned in terror. Two, two of them, actually. Please, don't let the oxor eat me. He ruffled the stray tuft of my head. I'm scared too, buddy. I have nightmares about them eating that immobilized Kojid. Then, eating you or Nulia. I- is it wrong to admit that? No. Your f- f- feelings are important too. You just... Really good at acting strong. Keyword, acting. An angular craft rocketed down from the cloud cover, and I squeezed my tail around the human's wrist. The curvature of the ship's belly suggested that it was stocked with missiles. It was brimming with weaponry from every angle. The engines roared as it completed its atmospheric descent, following the Terran glide slope. The Oxol vessel slammed onto the deck, and our personnel eyed it warily. There are human snipers watching them from the mast. I wonder if the greys noticed. Better hope my friends can react quicker than those demons can snap me in half. Paralyzing terror coursed through my bloodstream as a dozen of oxal lumbered out into the open. They lugged some supply crates onto the deck and waved for the humans to collect them. Terran personnel scurried over to sort through the offerings. I could see the primate's eyes that they were concerned about opening up a cattle gift. One oxer was directing the others, with a cracked skin around its eyes suggesting its age. Its nostrils flared with obvious hunger, entranced by the woof of Vendel in the breeze. Ghastly reptilian eyes snapped my way, and yellow teeth bled in a ferocious snarl. Why had Marcel's benign canine ever frightened me? The enemy commander began ambling towards us. It leaned forward as it walked, poised to drop into a primal lunge in a heartbeat. Its pupils were darker than the frigid side of Vendel Prime, and its drab scales glistened like obsidian. I could see the saliva coagulating around its lips. It's okay, Slinek. I'm right here, Marcel growled. My heart hammered so ferociously that I swayed my feet. The human caught me with a steady hand. All thoughts were shutting down, like a hard reset to the noggin. Every conscious impulse screamed to propel myself into the ocean, but my brain signals weren't registering. I sank my claws into my human's forearm, whimpering like a wounded prey. Tears flowed down my pale face, dripping onto his pale skin. Marcel massaged my scruff and tried to stop me from shaking uncontrollably. His gentle touch wasn't enough to counter the oxal, standing right across from me. How? Could we have ever considered such an abomination sapient? It was the spitting image of death itself. Nothing motivated other than its appetite and its cruelty. Greetings. I'm going to assume that you're in charge, since you have a Venlil uh, attached. The Oxal's warm breath hit me on the cheek. As it spoke in a reverberating roar, My name is Chief Hunter Isif. We understand this was the United Nations headquarters so I decided to accompany this landing party. Marcel cleared his throat. What can I do for you? A faint sliver of awareness crept back in. I didn't understand why my human wouldn't point this monster towards an actual officer and far away from us. I wanted to study the vegetarian's expression, 
but I couldn't turn my eyes away from the Arxel. It hadn't stopped staring at me from the moment it approached. Requesting permission to set up emergency housing, I can have structures and basic amenities organized in a day, Bissop barked. I don't think that'll be an issue, the red human said. If you're aiding search and rescue, would you come with me to a neighborhood called Midwood? The people in those bunkers are UN priority. Gladly. I'll pick several of my finest to accompany you. Oh, and tell your soldiers not to desecrate any human bodies. Cut it out. We don't eat each other, whatever the Federation told you. So why would any of us want to eat humans? The Chief Hunter's eyes lingered on me. The actualization of every nightmare I ever had. My spine pressed back against Marcel's chest, using his muscular form for support. Every muscle in my body felt weak as jelly, and my nerves were overstimulated beyond salvaging. I wanted to crawl under a rock and never show my face again. The oxal sighed, slinking off to the swish of its tail. It conversed with some Terran personnel for a moment, then issued emphatic orders. Several greys filed into a human helicopter, a strange aircraft that had twin blades on its roof. The racket stung my ears, and the propeller revved to life. Okay, I don't expect you to come with me, Slinek. Marcel released a forceful exhale, and sent me back on my paws. But getting to my family can't wait. I have to know. So you're hitching a ride with the child-eating predators? What will Noodlia think if she's alive? I spat. You just said that you have nightmares about those things devouring her. Using the Arxel will get me there the quickest. I'm sorry. There's no line I won't cross. I have nothing to live for without them. What about me? I care about you. After what we've been through together, don't make this about you, buddy. I get why Soblin losing his family broke him now. If they're dead, so am I. Marcel, please go home, Slinek. I hope you succeed in all your future aspirations. Thank you for giving a predator like me a chance. The red-haired human shouldered his rifle and duffel bag and limped over to the waiting helicopter. Those hazel eyes never so much as glanced back. His slender fingers were curled into a fist. Recollections of my predator, starving and beaten, darted through my mind. I could see those same hands pressed up against the glass as he reached out with the last of his strength. Marcel tried to protect me in his final moments too, through unimaginable pain. I can't let him throw his life away. I remembered how helpless I felt, watching the vegetarian hold the gunpoint. The pain in his eyes had been like glass shards in my heart. The thought of never speaking to him again, and learning that the Arxor chopped him up into little pieces, it filled me with the same despair. How did the Terran friend expect me to abandon him to a senseless fate? Riding along on the suicide misadventure was out of the question, though. Marcel wasn't engaging in proper thinking right now. He needed someone to draw some sense into him. Humans were significantly weaker than the Arxel, so he'd be helpless with Nayam bushed him. Damn you! I scampered after the hobbling human, who was only a few paces away from the chopter. I nursed you back from death's door, went with you to the Gojit wall zone, and stayed here with you when we all thought that your earth was going to be glassed to the call. Marcel clambered up the chopper. You've done enough. Go away, Slanak. Get lost. And go home like none of this happened. I'm telling you as your friend not to do this. I need you to safe and alive, and I don't care if that's making this about me. I'd bound at the last several steps and hurled myself into the human's leg in desperation, my hind legs scrabbling for traction on the floor. 
I struggled with all my might to pull the bulky predator off the helicopter. Marsal panted and shook me off with a grunt. The Arksaw passengers watched with amusement. The human said his supplies on an empty seat adjacent to the cockpit. Chief Hunter Isaac was ordering the Terran pilot he'd borrowed to take off. I had to get my friend out of here now. With a panicked desperation, I yanked at his injured arm. Marcel could forgive me for the pain that caused later. It was just only way to mitigate his superior strength. And save him from his own recklessness. Crap, he cursed. Get the feck off of me. The vegetarian's eyes dilated with frustration, and his cheeks turned that flushed shade of red that unnerved me. His teeth bared with an obvious hostility. There was no human smile causing his jaw to tremble. I wasn't about to be scared away by growling, even if it made my throat go dry. He was never going to hurt me. Marcel pried my claws off of him with predatory strength. His typical gentleness was gone. I mewled in protest, but the human clenched his fingers into my scruff. He carried me towards the exit in cold silence and seemed ready to toss me outside. My legs flailed in desperation, but the struggling didn't have much effect. The helicopter rose the first few feet off the ground. Chief Hunter Isaac retreated from the cockpit and darted between Marcel and the exit. The Arksaw commander slid the door shut, sailing off the escape route for both of us. His eyes widened in confusion as it noticed me dangling like a pup from its hands. Take a seat. There's room for you and the animal, it snarled. Per the map overlay, this should be a short ride. The aircraft was ascending rapidly, now above the mast in altitude. My heart sank in my chest, compounded by sheer panic. Jumping from the site would be suicide, though it might be better than being turned into cattle. Not only had I failed to get Marcel away from these monsters, but I had ended up escapeless with him. The red-haired human adjusted his grip, bringing me into a normal carry position. I burrowed my head against his shirt, and he patted me with a sigh. Mysef watched us with keen interest as the Terran settled into his chosen seat. The vegetarian placed my shaking body on his lap and turned my chin towards the window with a delicate push. I was certain the other Arxler were gaping at us and salivating at the flesh on my skeleton. My hope was that my presence would stop the greys from eating Marcel. Mendel were a juicier target, after all. That didn't lessen the dread in my heart. There was nothing worse than being trapped hundreds of feet above the ground with feral carnivores. End of chapter. Chapter 58 Memory Transcription Subject Slinek Venol Space Corps Date Standardized Human Time October 8th, 2136 The tension was palpable as the Arxor occupants studied Marcel in silence. I gathered that the human didn't want to engage with them either. The predatory savagery from the cradle plagued my recollection and the chilling screams of the unfortunate Gojits echoed on loop. It would be all too easy for the Greys to guard either of us with the swipe of their fangs. Chief Hunter Isaac dropped into the seat right next to us. The monster was inches away from him. It disregarded the shift in Marcel's body language. The human had leaned away, though there wasn't anywhere to go in a helicopter cabin. I got the impression his concern was for me, rather than himself. After the attack on Earth, it's like he doesn't care what happens to him. If I wasn't about to be carved up, I'd insist to seek help. Isaac bared his teeth ferociously. 
Well, I've introduced myself. What is your name, Venlil? Its voice was discordant snob, amplifying humanity's typical rumble by a thousandfold. A pathetic squeak escaped my throat, and I sobbed into Marcel's shirt. The vegetarian stroked my ear with patience, unfazed by the salty wetness soaking fabric. I didn't know how even to persistence predator could be so calm in the face of such an eyesore. That scaly demon was a sensory hell. I'd rather be hunted by Marcel's kind for hours than look at Issef for another second. Okay, that was the response I expected. The Axel sighed. What are you called, human? The human stiffened. Marcel Fraser, but just Marcel is fine. The Venlil here, uh, his name is Slenek. I knew you hadn't lost your voice for Marcel. Slenek here is on Tarba's behalf. Yes. My ears perked up at alarm. How did Isip even know that name? That must mean the Arxa were targeting the governor, or had other nefarious plans for her. I refused to believe the humans would betray us by turning into intel over to the Republic. Marcel offered a curt headshake. Slenek is a fighter pilot. We're training him to be a proper soldier. <laughs> Good one. As if the specimen could fight. Issa's eyes glittered with a decadent mirth, before the expression dissolved. Oh, Prophet, you're serious, aren't you? The red-haired human glared at the floor, not answering the reptile. It was clear my friend had little interest in the conversation. I think he only entertained the first question to get the commander to leave him alone. The monstrous predator gave up and turned its focus to the window. Our helicopter drifted above the sea of rubble, which stretched to the horizon. Building husks lingered as statues to a fallen world. The fires were splashed across the landscape. The ground was carved in a thick coating of soot. This looked like the aftermath of an Arxor raid. My heart sank in my chest as I realized how dire the outlook was for Marcel's family. The human pilot guided the craft towards the designated neighborhood. Chief Hunter Isaac craned his neck, narrowed its disgusting eyes with solemnness, I didn't understand what game it was playing, trying to make nice with the humans. They must have some dastardly plan at work. The Arxor commander maintained the brooding expression as we touched out. It ordered the other greys to sweep the area for survivors and accrue intel for their government. Marcel rose to his feet to follow, but Issa blocked the human's path. The scaly monster gestured to the devastation behind him. What do you think of what the Federation did, Slanak? The chief hunter growled. My ears laid flat against my skull. I, I think uh, it looks a lot like what you do. A sharp glint flashed in his eyes. Ah, that is a good answer. You think our species is an instrument of evil, yet you admit your friends are no different. The, the Federation are, are monsters, not friends, but they don't eat people. Because they don't have to. You all want my kind wiped from existence. Hell, you probably wish I'd drop dead right now. Do you even see us as people? After everything you've done, you'll never be people. To anyone. My sudden outburst took me by surprise. Marcel's fingers tensed around my scruff, and he stance shifted to a defensive posture. That commentary placed my human in a precarious situation. My money wasn't on the wounded, squishy primate if this turned physical. I should have never boarded this aircraft 
to begin with. The Arxor raised the ridges above its eyes and turned around with a sigh. Isif somehow restrained its aggression, then pointed a huff emanated disappointment. It drew its side on before shuffling into the ruins of New York. Marcel followed with a bit of hesitancy. I'm sorry for what Slinek said, Chief Hunter. Any sapient is a person, no matter what they've done. Is that so, Kewan? The reptile grumbled. Look, our race has become a shell of itself over the centuries. I wish it wasn't like this. My eyes widened in surprise. Polite concessions, lamenting their current status. Wasn't what I expected it to say. For an emotionless predator, it was doing an excellent job at emulating regret. The fear eased enough for me to wonder what it had to gain from this act. The Arxor never attempted to converse with prey, as a rule. Why are you so cruel and merciless? The words spewed from my mouth in a rambling fervor. Why did you kill my brother and bomb my planet? I need people alive while they were running. Its nostrils fled. Ah, yes. It's well documented that I did all of those things. Personally, I'm, I'm a busy guy. I get around. Your species. Don't mock me, demon. There's no reason your breed are that cruel and morally deficient. The Federation are the reason we're stopped. Cruelty was and is a defense mechanism, in my view. I'm not excusing it. I'm answering your insults. Defense mechanism? How so? It was needed as a way to cope with what we had to do to survive. We're also fighting a war of extinction, well vastly outnumbered. So it serves psychological purposes to uh, encourage recorded sadism. The Federation loses because they're afraid. The Arxor crested a mountain of rubble, and Marcel escorted us atop the debris, too. One human was crawling through the street with serious burns across her extremities. Her breathing came in ragged gasps, and the sight of peeling flesh made me wince. Two Zerulian medics had arrived on the scene already, and Americans must have directed them to a separate landing site from the greys. A young volunteer rushed to the burn victim's side, repeating soothing words. The other quadruped kept a wide berth from the aggrieved human and trembled in terror. Willen, I need a dose of painkillers and antiseptics now. The youthful Zerulian chimed in. Wallen flicked his ears in skepticism. You know nothing about these predators, other than that the Arxor liked them. Our government has gone mad, Brazier. I can't get close to this thing. Isib's skull intensified. The hunter gripped its sidearm with malicious intent. Rich hunger danced in its gaze, and it shared an enraged glance with Marcel. For once, I agreed with the monster. We couldn't let the medics dilly-dally with an agonized human... Frazier rounded on her partner. What we know is that humans haven't done anything wrong. They sought peace, and we're brutally attacked for it. Also, the Venlil are our ambassador adore them. But they are predators. I'm here for the Venlil. No, we don't play God and pick and choose who we help. We save lives indiscriminately. Get with that, or get the feck out of my sight. The injured human watched with glassy eyes. Willen lowered its head before crouching at Frazier's side. He began applying wet dressings and antiseptics while his partner tended to the pain. The Zerulians then prepped for a transport to the hospital ship. Yusuf lowered its gun and watched as the quadruped strained to lift the human. The Arxor marched down to the site, swishing its tail in a display of dominance. The Zerulians dropped the patient when they saw the grey skulking towards them. I was worried the abomination had regained its appetite too. Maybe it likes charred flesh like Tyler did. 
and it could see the Terran burn victim as a perfect meal. Oh, stars! The chief hunter lifted the primate onto the gurney and fastened the straps in seconds. It backed away and growled to get the medic's attention. Brazier was wielding a syringe in her mouth, pointing it as if shot painkillers would stop a murderous demon. Stay back! The human cerulean quivered and seemed aghast at the sight of my human behind the grey. Human! And Venno, please help us! It's kidnapping my patient! I'm not kidnapping the human! I put her on the stretcher so you can move her for evac! Isif growled. If I was hospitable, trust me, you would know. I'm subtle as a sledgehammer. Marcel trundled up beside the oxel. The last Federation physician I met wanted me dissected. Our doctors pledged to do no harm. It's a relief to see someone mirror the sentiment of the Hippocratic Oath. Willen squinted at the vegetarian. You're that human named Marcel from Noah's video. I recognize you. Sure. Brazier squeaked. I'm sorry for what they did to you. Your treatment w- w- went against every, uh, every ethical pr- principle uh, th- that we stand for. The chief hunter inspected the red-haired human with confused eyes. The demonic predator mouthed the name Noah to itself and nodded something on its holopad. I think it wanted to ask what happened to my friend. Obviously, a feral animal that loathed weakness would mock his traumatic experience. Marcel pointed a hand to the stretcher, and the Zerillian settled up to it, patient hesitantly. Isif slunk beside them, moving to the brunt of the weight. The medic shuffled in terrified stupor, and the oddball group traversed the ruins. It was sad to see uh, Earth was lightless, having witnessed the city in its sprawling glory days ago. It took several minutes to reach the Zerillian hospital ship, which was hovering over a decimated roadway. We glimpsed rows of beds in its loading bay, and my human eyes widened with hope. Panicked shouts echoed from the ship's occupants as the reptile sighted. The chief hunter ducked its head, perhaps to seem less threatening. The oxo pulled away, and more Zerillian medics hurried over to lug the patient on board. Brazier and Willem bore delirious eyes, which suggested the fear was overstimulating them. That little exertion must have been psychological torment to them. Have you rescued a goji child, hopefully with a human female? My human growled. Willen blinked. What? A gojid? You know, spiky brown fur, big claws. Where is she? The Zerillians cowered at Marcel's roar, and their hackle fur stood on end. I swatted my tail at his chin, warning him to calm down. This desperation was something I recognized, but these medics didn't understand humans yet. They probably thought that he was about to go on a rampage. Mark is very upset and loud. But he's harmless, I hissed. Please, just tell us if you've seen a gojid. Raja drew a shaky breath. No, uh, only humans. May I can check with our groups in the other cities, Willem added hurriedly. Maybe Berlin, Toronto, Bangkok, or Manila. B- big pred- predator drillings there. Marcel slumped his shoulders in defeat. No, they were here. They? Oh, I see. Understanding flashed in Isab's peoples. Why don't we search for your packmates at their last location? These Zerulians could help us look around. The human nodded, blinking away tears. The Arxor focused on his watery eyes and gave him a rough tail slap on the arm. If I didn't know better, I would think this poor attempt at comfort. Their species devoid of empathy was mimicking a trait, of course. Isim was clearly awkward and unpracticed at that falsified aspect. Malaysia's gaze softened as she shared a glance with her partner. We'll help you search. 
but I prepare for the likeliest possibility. There's a predator. You should be logical about the situation, Willem said. Willem, he clearly grasped the extent of the dead. There's nothing logical about this. Where are we going, Marcel? The red-haired primate browsed his holopair and searched the location via GPS. The local terrain was unrecognizable, so I doubted that he could distinguish Nulia's bunker from the other scrap heap. The device pinpointed a location a quarter of a mile from the hospital ship. All I could see there was a thick hill of concrete. Anything living must be crushed beneath that. It's likely the bunker collapsed from pressure. Marcel would barely put pressure on his injured leg, but he staggered ahead for a minute-long track. I could feel the human's grief expanding with every step. My predator was cracking alongside the buildings of New York. It hurt to see my friend, who I believe could withstand any emotion, crumbling. His distress frightened me as much as the hideous arcsaw flanking us. Marcel reached the selected debris mound, and I dismounted onto my own paws. This must be the fallout shelter his family relocated to. The human hurled himself on all floors, flinging the smallest rocks behind him in a frenzy. An animalistic grunt reverberated from his chest as he strained against his arm injury to tug at a massive rock chunk. Chief Hunter Asif pressed his shoulder against the debris and moved it enough to leave a tiny gap. Marcel Paul had the scraps below, trying to catch glimpses of the shelter. He dug furiously with his flimsy fingers. Blood streamed from the dust-caked nails, but that only quickened his scrabbling. Lucy! Nulia! he wailed, in the highest-pitched voice that I'd ever heard him use. There was no reply from beneath the ruins. Through choking sobs, my friend returned to passing rocks with his hands. His fingers were drenched in crimson blood. Sympathy clasped in my heart in a vice-like grip, and I tackled him with a desperate hug. Mark! Stop it! You're hurting yourself, I breathed. Brazier placed a cautious paw on his neck. That's enough. We'll excavate the bodies and make sure they get a proper burial by your customs. I promise. The human collapsed atop the wreckage and pressed an eye against the opening. He screamed incoherently, punching the rubble in outrage. I watched the life leave his sweet countenance. Even the gushing tears dried up. My friend was unresponsive and prodding. Willem dabbed at his eyes, affected by the extent of the predator's raw emotions. I recognized that realization as he decided humans were sapient. Anyone who saw this display as a performance had to be heartless. There must be countless others across Earth in such a state. I nuzzled his leg. Step aside and rest, please. Let the doctors disinfect your wounds. Why? The human croaked. They've taken everything. Hush the neck. Put me out of my mis... Marcel! A childish voice cried, faintly audible. Where have you been? It's really dark down here. Uh, I don't like the dark. Marcel's head snapped up. You're alive! I'm coming! Just just hold on! We're working as fast as we can. Uh, uh, I want to go somewhere safe now. Somewhere monsters won't find me. Or pick on you, or eyes. Don't leave me here, Marcy. Uh, never! I'm right here! A chorus of human growls joined Nulia as they realized rescues were above. Relief coursed through my veins against all odds. Some of the bunker withstood the blast. Chief Hunter Isif radioed to send heavy machinery to our coordinates and withdrew with a fierce snarl. Untrustworthy as it was, I couldn't deny it had been helpful so far. Amidst the chaos and devastation on Earth, it was a relief 
to save a few human lives from the ashes. End of chapter. Chapter 59. Memory Transcription Subject. Captain Sovereign, Federation Fleet Command. Date, Standardized Human Time, October 20th, 2136. The United Nations had only scratched the surface of species in the Federation, having meaningful interactions with a small percentage. The Krakotl, their fossil, received the most in fanfare and the Anti-Predator Coalition, but 24 total species had participated in Earth's attack. Of those, 17 committed only a minority of their forces. One of those were the Harchin, a reptile species famed for their natural camouflage. Their waddling prey bipeds were half the human sight and could morph their skin into a multitude of alluring colors. Their species was a stellar average in most fields, notable for a few media franchises and software startups. Thus, all they had in common with the Arxor was an animal class. My decision to wander into Harchin territory looked dicey, though, in an obvious venal ship. Given their hostile relations with Earth, I doubted they'd welcome us with open arms. That was why I weaponized the human stealth tactics to remain hidden. Their cunning strategies, deployed against Gojit border outposts long ago, had become useful in ironic fashion. Our ship leapt between high-gravity spots until we lurked behind a satellite of blissful modernity. It was a wealthy colony which housed media conglomerates and tech companies. Most importantly, it was the home of an investigative reporter I wanted to recruit. Her stories were hard-hitting, and she was steadfast to the facts, whatever they may be. May I be here, Sublin? The Dev Talpin demanded through his synthesizer. You are escaping with Harkon, a territory enemy. You still want to kill the humans for being predators. Burnham, his sister, picked her claws. Countless people tight on Earth, you monster. How can you turn your back on them? I'm going to pick up a journalist named Selene, who I trust in the shuttle, I replied. You're going to hide here. There and no one can see you. In and out, then we head to Arthur. The Selene must have an interest in protecting her planet. Her species is hostile to humans, the female Gojard returned. There are other journalists in the galaxy. Hell, thousands on Arthur. We don't need an enemy. The media figures who can be impartial to humans are few. Solani is one of those exposed civkits for turning away millions of refugees a year, and dissected their unsustainable colonization practices, though it was outing the Krakotl military for prolific extortion that got her famous. How does any of that connect her to you? Because I was the anonymous source for both stories. Gunboat diplomacy wouldn't retrieve intelligence, whatever my UN guards had thought. Burnham and Talpin objected to my plan, but they were missing the big picture on the Colchian excursion. Mouthpieces were little good without the means to spread their message around. Besides, investigating the Federation was something that mandated professional assistance. Sensors indicated a large ship presence being a blissful modernity, perhaps the Harkon anticipating a human counterattack. Scanning for subspace readings while life science wasn't an option in our precarious stealth mode. The situation would be clearer once I got visual. The escape pod was cramped on the inside, but I wriggled through the emergency hatch nonetheless. My hope was that the Venlo-sized wall-seater would escape detection. Here you go, Soblin, fly through a waiting armada, and then you have to get back up here too. This was a remarkably bad idea. My surroundings became visible on the viewport as I coasted out from behind the solar station. 
the Harkin colony glistened a dusty brown and lacked any sign of native vegetation. Hundreds of warships were centered around the planet, which set alarm bells off in my head. The prey reptiles never had this many heavy craft on standby for a minor colony. After fiddling with the buttons, I magnified the orbiting warship on screen. The breath was sucked out by lungs. That clunky, explosive-laden death machine was an Arxor bomber, and it was surrounded by many brethren. It wasn't being challenged by the Harkin vessels, despite the fact that most of their fleet stayed at home. Had the Harkin's involvement in the attack on Earth left the colonies vulnerable? Perhaps they had to ration their defenses to the most populated areas without complete numbers. It was also possible local coordination was too poor to resist a full-fledged assault. Regardless, something must have caught the Grey's eyes. The emergency channel crackled to life when I switched on the radio. Requesting immediate assistance from the Harkin vessels in the vicinity. Harkin Command, do you copy? Our evacuation ships are being slaughtered. There was a brief pause before the terse reply came through. We can't divert assets from Fal. The Arxor are trying to lure us away from the homeworld, since their head-on approach failed. I'm sorry. But, but you can't leave us here. Send a few ships to cover evacuation, please. Blissful modernity. You're not the priority. I suggest you broadcast the chant of remembrance planet-wide to secure your passage to the afterlife. Good luck. The chant of remembrance was a traditional folk song that the Harkon used as a last rite. That was one way of saying that the entire colony was going to be sacrificed. If I attempted to land on the surface, I might get blown out of the sky, or gunned down on foot by the Arxor. Worst yet, I could be herded onto a cattle ship. Overall, this was becoming a worse idea by the second. Berna and Tulpin could be spotted in the main ship at any moment, or be left without a pilot to complete the journey. The humans needed our testimony to reach the Federation. The fate of the galaxy hinged on the reception of my plea. But if I was ever a good captain, I had to try and rescue an old friend from the Oxer incursion. What kind of man stood idly by as innocent civilians were butchered? The Archon people didn't reserve this, however complicit their government was in Earth's bombing. I wondered if the Terrans still understood that. You just land by the Blissful Network's office, run in, rescue Silani, and take off, I told myself. This will be fine. Nobody will notice a tiny escape pod amidst the orbital bombardment. I plotted a descent course for the address. My shuttle snuck past the greys as they focused on the disseminating landmass. Arxor looked for visuals of escape craft from the surface, not suicidal rescuers. They probably relied on Sensodic, too. Our stealthy approach gave me a chance to land, but the return trip was another matter. The shuttle blazed into a thin atmosphere, rattling from the external force. Fiery missiles streaked down alongside me. They were a relentless barrage meant to inflict high casualties. The people on the ground knew that it was raining death, and their escape chances were close to none. Would the humans come to the rescue if they were here? I asked myself. Samantha spoke like she wanted this to happen, but I can't believe she truly meant the purge line. The Harkon ground lodged on the screen, with smoky mist fogging the air. Precise explosions targeting a few city blocks, smiting residential areas and infrastructure. The Arxon wanted to flush any civilians from their homes, so the cattle collectors would have an easy time. It was a page out of the playbook we'd seen many times. 
Landing complete, initiating shutdown sequence, my pod's computer announced. I scrambled out of the shuttle, gun and paw. The polluted oxygen sent me into a coffee pit, and my eyes watered. Mushroom clouds dotted the horizon like treetops. The sole relief was that there were no lanky ox or silhouettes in the vicinity. Although, I could hear the gruesome screams in the distance. The press building was still intact, and that was a positive sign by itself. Stampeding wasn't a viable instinct when bombs were going off in every corner. The runners were likely half-eaten corpses by now, but some people must have sheltered in place. I had to hope my reporter friend was one of them. Autopilot kicked in as I sprinted up the emergency stairwell. There were no signs of footsteps, electricity, or chatter. My prayer was that the Arxor hadn't swept this building already. I doubled over once I stumbled onto the third floor. The steep scent left me winded. Terrified screams followed my entry. You don't need us. We're, we're, we're reptiles like a... Oh, Solani gasped. Tavlin, what the hell are you doing here? My gaze swept the room. There were four Harkon reporters hiding under desks, quivering in terror. One was holding a seat cushion over his throat, as if that would protect them from the Arxel's teeth. I relaxed my gun and gestured towards the stairwell door. No time. Come with me. I parked a shuttle outside. You can all fit in if you squeeze together, I growled. Solani blinked in confusion. Not so fast. We've heard that you are a human prisoner and that you were mentally unstable before. Why and how are you here? I won't be a predator's test subject. The human sent me to Arthur as a messenger, and you can see I'm in good condition. I need your help. You'll have every opportunity to stay with the Colchians. Prove you're not re-educated, Sovlin. They could have turned you into a mindless minion, doing their bidding, advancing their agenda. The other heart and reporters watched in apprehension, though they inched towards the exit. I respected that Selani hadn't changed her skeptical ways, but these questions were wasting time. She was too inquisitive for her own good. From the tone of her rhetoric, I wondered if she had bought into the anti-human propaganda. Their sickening eyes made my spines bristle for days. I thought the humans would torture me and lay waste to any civilization they crossed paths with. I chewed my claws with impatience. I believed every empathic act they did had an ulterior motive. I wanted them all dead, and I remember it all, unlike a brainwashed individual. Selani climbed to her feet. So why would you help humans send a message after what they did to us? What they did to you? You attacked their home, unprovoked. It's the Arxor attacking you now. They're not affiliated. This is a coordinated bombardment against every species in our coalition, at least those that we can make contact with. Someone had to tip the graves off days ago. Are you sure that you bought that unaffiliated claim, Sovlin? Shock coursed through my veins. The other coalition members were under siege too. A specific attack against the race who targeted Earth led to some dark conclusions. If these raids weren't spontaneous acts of violence, then maybe the Goja Cradle. No. The humans were kind to non-combatants on the Cradle, imperiling their own lives for our welfare. Terran rules of warfare disallowed tax against civilians. Those soldiers fought tooth and nail to protect our cities and cared for our refugees with the utmost kindness. I couldn't believe that they would set such a plan into motion. But who else could have contacted the Greys? The humans were very interested in negotiating with the Arxel during the last interrogation. It's possible that they reached out, I decided. Protector help us if they jumped sides to out of desperation. Selani shuddered. You know the Terrans talk to Greys. I can see it in your eyes. 
The humans were pursuing diplomatic avenues, but they also despised what the Arxor did to our worlds. It has to be an accident if they shared this, I sighed. All I care about is the honest truth, and you might not like what that truth is. I can't help you spread human deceit, not even to save my life. This isn't about the human city. I'm here because the Federation are killing each other over how they voted. It's going to doom us all. Just please, come with me and take a look at the facts. That's it. Fear shone in the female Harkin's eyes momentarily, and her skin morphed into a beige shape of the walls. It took that as a sign that she was camouflaging to head out. The other staffers had no qualm stampeding down the stairwell ahead of them. They'd take their chances with an unstable predator-tainted gojin over an Arxor slaughtered fleet. Terrified shrieks echoed from the first Harchin staffers to exit the building. They turned back, tripping in their haste to back up the stairwell. I gestured for them to quiet down and raise my gun. There must be an Arxor cattle squad or an eaten Harchin in sight, which meant we needed to depart quickly. I peeked my head out the door. Horror brought my spines to full bristle as I saw five greys leaning against the escape pod. The vicious predators were waiting for the prey to wander into their grasp. My stationary shuttle must have been sighted along their route. These hunters seemed delighted by the unexpected appearance of a gojid. I suppose that was a rare medial, post-cradle. There was no way I could shoot all of them, especially with their superior reflexes. Running was impossible too, since my shuttle was out-tickered off this rock. Had I just brought the Harchin to their deaths? My brain froze in terror for a split second, seeding my fate. One Arxor pounced from all falls and dragged me by the arm out into the open. Saliva coated my fur in a sticky dowsing as its monstrous fangs pierced my skin. My initiative for the humans was going to end with me as a predator's meal. End of chapter. Chapter 60. Memory transcription subject. Captain Sovlin, Federation Fleet Command. Date, standardized human time, October 20, 2136. The feeling of teeth in my shoulder produced a sharp pain. The joint was about to be ripped from the socket as I was dragged across the asphalt. I wriggled in the predator's jaws, punching its snout to release its grip. The stabbing of my long claws drew blood and it tossed me onto the ground with a shake of its head. My body slammed against the metallic shuttle. All I could do was see stars. The pounding of my heart was a nauseating experience. This must be what my family felt as they were toyed with, before being turned into screaming male. I couldn't give the ox or cattle fiends the satisfaction of screaming and crying. Maybe it was worth some sort of plea to get them to spare the Harkon. The sole option that crossed my mind was to invoke the humans. They were the only ones the Greys had a remote respect for. If the primates had directed the ox or dominating out of the vulnerable civilian populace, Perhaps they would abandon anything the Terrans allegedly claimed. Stop! I squealed. I am a human slave on a mission to expose the, the Federation's lies. When they killed you, your cattle, like you say, they want, they want to get the details for you. To my amazement, the Grey paused in its stalking position. The humans did claim the Gojid homeworld. And we recognize their stake. I can smell them on your fur. But where are our fellow predators? If you're their property, they wouldn't set you free. They have my family, I sobbed, with a fake despondency. I'll do whatever they want, 
even if it's harmful to the Federation. Confusion flashed in Solani's eyes. The Harchin reporter knew my family was long deceased, so that lie wouldn't fool her. I didn't understand why the prey reptiles hadn't made a run for it yet. There were no good options, but stalling the Oxal gave them a small window of escape. The bloody predator flashed a snarl. Clever, but why are you on this world with those who attacked Earth? These Harchand are our priority assets for the humans. I don't, I don't ask questions, but I'm, I'm sure it's for the good reason. Let us leave, please. The Greys conferred for a moment and inspected the smoking section of the shuttle hood. I couldn't believe that they were listening to any of my bullshit. There was a brief flicker of hope that we all might fall under Terran immunity. Propping myself upright, I nursed the wounded arm with the ginger touch. Talking to them is revolting, but the Arxor just confirmed that the assault is retaliation for Earth. Sladdy was right. What have the humans done? We'll let you leave as a token of good faith, slave. We mangled your engine and though, so you'll need to find another way off world. The Arxor spoke monster decided. But the heart didn't stay. I think you are disobeying your orders to save our enemies. The prey reptiles scampered back into the stairwell only to find themselves blocked by a laughing grey. A single beast must have landed on the roof, cutting off any escape. They intended to flush the Harchin out into the street, one way or another. My eyes widened in horror as the grasps herded them into a cage. Stop! The, the humans want these four as media tools, really, I pleaded. The vicious predator snorted. The humans want all of them dead. On that matter, it just so happens our interests align. I wondered whether the Terrans would enjoy the sight of the panic and reporters, sealed together in a degrading heap. My prisoners would despise this raid, wouldn't they? The cage door slammed shut, and the Arxor gestured for me to scurry off. It would be easy to save myself, but I couldn't watch cattle be hauled away. My gaze darted over to my gun, which had fallen into the dirt. Buds were, I could only get off a shot or two before the greys mowed me down with prejudice. I had to try something to rescue these Harchin, no matter how suicidal. It was a matter of waiting for the Arxor to lose focus, and accepting that I was about to die. Is there a problem? A throaty snarl echoed from my right. Carlos stomped across the road, clad from head to toe in protective pelts. A flashlight was mounted on his helmet, and his binocular eyes hid behind glass visor. A massive gun rested across his muscular forearm. I was never so elated to see a flesh-eating predator in my life. But what the hell is my guard doing here? I don't even know that he would leave the Harkin to their fate, or worse, laugh about it. The human stopped a few paces from the Arxor posse, and crossed his arms in his formidable stance. The talkative Grey, who must have been the unit leader, sized up the Omnivore. It narrowed its eyes with blazing ferocity challenging Carlos's will. I didn't know how the UN soldier faced this there. The reptilian predator bared its fangs. Your slave wants to help these Harchin escape. It's using its subjugation as a cover, claiming this was done in your orders. Carlos's pupils flicked to the cramped cage. You heard Soblin manage two orders correctly. He's an obedient servant. We want to send a message to the Federation, and these are the right individuals for the job. Simple. A relative sigh escaped my lips. I was grateful that the human backed me up. After I deviated our flight path to recruit Terran enemies, 
He might take this Harchin prisoner or even execute them, but he wouldn't eat them. His kind wasn't like the greys. At worst, I could reason with him and make sense of the questionable things he might do. Why can't you find another pet? The grey hissed. We did all the work and we claimed this batch. These prey are of no particular importance, no different than thousands like them, with the same qualifications. Carla shuffled closer. Our personal selections are made of, of data, simulations, and best strategic minds on Earth. Are you questioning our judgment? Yes, I am. Say it again, you feckin' coward. I'm questioning the judgment of a weak, naive primitives. You haven't a clue what you're doing or what it means to survive in this galaxy. The human rose up on his toes and pressed his slender nose inches from the axles more. The grey straightened and Skarlos tried to match his height. It breathed a defending snarl at the UN soldier, but he wouldn't back down. Defiance glowed in the primate's eyes, despite being outclassed. I could snap your puny neck in a single bite, the oxel roared. Carlos jabbed his gun barrel into his stomach, and I could blow your intestines apart with a single finger. But we're on the same side, so why don't we work this out another way? <laughs> a contest of strength. You fight me one-on-one -on -one without those overcompensating weapons of yours. If you win, you can have these heart, hmm? I'm game, if you'll agree not to bite. Unless you think you're too weak to fight without <laughs> overcompensating fangs. Oh, <laughs> let's do this. I'm going to beat the snot out of you, human. The Terran soldier backed away and tucked his rifle off to the side. He raised his clawless paws in front of his face, forming a white-knuckled fists. What was to stop the Grey from executing him now that he was disarmed? Luckily for Carlos, it was itching to release its regression. The Arxor lunged at him with a blunt swipe, which was barely dodged. It lashed out with a tail sweep, knocking the guard off his feet. The monster whirled around with quick jabs, which the primate blocked with an elbow. Carlos rolled out of the way and scrambled back to the standing position. He looked slow and toothless compared to the reptilian, not managing a single swing of his own. Carlos scurried backwards and tried to deflect the oncoming barrage. Sweat glistened off his olive skin. Tears showed in his artificial pulse. The oxal aimed a jab at his abdomen, but the human danced away on nimble feet. While he was focused on the claws, it swung its snout at him with force. Now the truncated maw nailed the guard right in the chest and sent him flying backwards. The poor guy's getting his ass handed to him. Why did we think that this was a good idea to negotiate? Damn humans and their aggression. Carlos sucked in a wheezing breath and hopped back to his paws. The grey charged at him once more, and the human pummeled him in the nostrils. It shrugged off the punch with a snort. The UN guard attempted to deliver a kick, but the reptilian caught its frail leg. It snickered as the human flailed, hopping on one leg. This isn't even a fight. The oxal tugged on the primate's ankle and knocked him onto his rump. It dragged him through the dirt for several paces. We may treat you like equals, but you don't make demands of us. You don't intimidate anyone. Carlos kicked his clasped paw out with his other leg, wriggling free. You haven't beaten. Stay down, weakling. I've kicked the crap out of you. No one to admit defeat. Basic humility would do you good. The human began to rise, only to be nailed across the mouth by its tail flesh. Crimson blood bubbled on his lip, and he spit the liquid into the dirt. He rolled onto his back, watching as the oxal gloated in its victory. His hand darted 
to his head, wrenching a flashlight off his headgear as it shone inches from his left pupil. The oxal shrieked as the brightness flooded its gaze, blinking. Carlos popped up on his wobbly legs and staggered into a grappling range. The human drove his knee into its stomach before tackling it with all of his weight. He rolled off to the side and wrapped the elbow around its neck. The grey struggled to break loose, but its oxygen supply was dwindling. Game, set, and match. Tap out, Carlos gurgled. The grey palmed at the human's elbow with feeble swats, its hideous eyes bulging. Carlos released his grip with a toothy snarl. It coughed several times, caressing its throat. The creature struggled to get back to its feet, and the Terran helped it stand. You cheated, it sputtered. No weapons. The Ewan guard shrugged. I didn't use a weapon. Just an illumination device. You broke the spirit of sparring, which is cheating to my eyes. You show little respect to our allies, and you're lucky I like irreverence. Take the damn auction. It's a whopping four cattle. The Arxel slunk off with a narrow gaze, as their leader hobbled away. True to their word, the demons left the Harchin's cage behind. The relief that flooded my veins was indescribable, though my hammering heart wouldn't pipe down. I raced over to the human and flung my arms around him with choking sobs. Carlos stiffed and pulled my paws off of him. Oh yeah, don't do that, man. Sorry, I'm just really grateful for your help, I muttered. What are you doing here? Keeping an eye on you, obviously. We were concerned about your little pit stop and followed you down here. I would appreciate if you'd not go around calling yourself a slave in the future. It was improvisation. Can't argue with the results. Speaking of improvisation, you put the whole mission at risk with this little stunt. The fuck were you thinking? It was supposed to be a brief, easy trip. I wanted someone I knew, a friend on the team. I've dealt with enough people who hate me in recent weeks. Whatever. Let's get your friends out of here. Hope they understand we're the only ride out. If they run off, I'm not going to stop the greys from nabbing them next time. The human unclothed the cage door and watched as the Harkon tumbled out. Selani inspected the predator with petrified eyes. Her comrades seemed repulsed by Carlos's lumbering form too, squealing as they returned his stare. The journalist's eyes darted to the side as though they wanted to run. Did, did you tell the Oxal to attack us? Selani blurted. Carlos narrowed his eyes. I don't know. That's above my clearance level. If he did, it was likely to deter your forces from attacking us. The UN wouldn't want this to happen. I slumped my shoulders. Not even people like Samantha. Wouldn't she want the Harchin to feel the same losses as Earth? The indignant cough came from an abandoned vehicle behind us. Upon closer inspection, the female human was stretched out behind cover. A thin rifle barrel with a glass ornament was popped up on the ground. She must have been monitoring the interaction the entire time, and watching Carlos's back in case of the confrontation went awry. I don't believe people deserve to die for what they are. That's the Federation, she growled. If an individual renounces their government, I'm sure Earth would welcome them with open arms. Now the ones responsible, complicit, or indifferent. Carlos cleared his throat. We're parked through blocks away. Somewhere we wouldn't be visible to the whole world, Sovlin. Stick close, guys, and follow us. The human retraced his route with delicate bootsteps. His rifle was ready if any oxer crawled out of the woodwork, and Samantha fell in at his side. The Predator guards forged a path for the Harkin journalists, ignoring their hesitance. It was remarkable to see the vengeful primates aiding a species that partook in the attack days prior. End of chapter. 
I would quickly like to thank the T5 channel members and Patreons. Casper Arnholtz, Cam Maxwell, Barky, Lord Azrakal, It's Difficult to Pronounce, Dragzoon, WRE, Holly's Sister, Arcadian. Thank you very much.